Hello, friends. Welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Maloof, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist, and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge, and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy, and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well. Welcome back. Thanks for spending the evening with us. We're going to continue our journey into our three heart heart centers for skillful intention or resolve. So the last few weeks we've been having this theme of looking at skillful intention and we had a Dharma talk on renunciation and then we also did one on loving kindness. Uh, for those who were here, that one did not record, unfortunately, uh, but we did cover loving kindness and renunciation and I wanted to cover compassion a bit today. What's interesting for these qualities under skillful intention or wise intention is that renunciation can be challenging to understand renunciation, but for the most part, we understand letting go. We understand that renunciation is a counterbalance to greed and craving and grasping. And so that kind of makes sense. And when we get to loving kindness, um, you know, often we can get ourselves grounded in a definition of loving kindness that speaks to our practice and We can define it in a particular way that makes sense when we go out into the world. But then the challenge with studying the Dharma is that when we get to compassion and we try to look up the definition in the context of the Dharma, oftentimes we get the definition of loving kindness and vice versa. And when you look up, or if you have any Eightfold Path books, you might notice that as much as we talk about compassion and love in the Dharma, when you're studying the Eightfold Path, Most of the emphasis is on renunciation and loving kindness and compassion is kind of tossed in at the end. And so it's confusing to understand what compassion means in the Dharma sometimes. It has been for me, I know. And just to prove to myself that it is in fact confusing, I looked up a bunch of, you know, Lion's Roar articles and uh, dhammatalks.org and Access to Insight to see how teachers define loving kindness and compassion. And sure enough... They're different. Sometimes I was reading an article uh, by the Dalai Lama and he defined compassion in a way that's much more similar to how other teachers are defining loving kindness. And, you know, so I went around and sure enough, the, the confusion I've always had as a meditator and a student still holds true that sometimes compassion and loving kindness is kind of conflated and they're all sort of talked about as one emotion or one heart mind quality. But there really is a distinction between the two of them. So what I thought I would do tonight is take a completely different uh, path up the mountain that I've never done before. I usually talk about it pretty straightforward, but I thought I would give some distinctions on some other heart-mind qualities that are embedded in or expressions of compassion so we can begin to see why compassion and loving kindness might be different. And what's the significance of the difference in those two qualities that we are trying to cultivate? So I thought I'd start today with uh, talking about kindness, talking about kindness. I thought that would be a good place to start. And part of the reason I thought it was a good place to start because it allows me to talk about um, somewhat briefly, but, but to talk about the difference between being nice 
and being kind. This idea of nice that we have in culture. And there's going to be some cultural differences around what it means to be nice and what it means to be kind. But there's some psychological differences as well that I think can be really helpful in understanding what these terms mean and how they form the foundation for compassion and even loving kindness. And so I would invite you over the course of tonight's talk to just be thinking about what do you consider the word nice to mean? Like when you're going to do something for someone, what would be a nice action towards somebody? What would a kind action be? And is there a difference for you when you think of those two words? And if someone is going to do something for you, um, like maybe someone does something and you say, oh my gosh, that was nice of you, or oh, how kind. What kind of actions in your world denote kindness and niceness? And as I unpack this, you'll see why it's important. Nice has several different connotations from a psychological perspective, mostly from a Western psychological point of view. Niceness has several different connotations in the way that it's used and the way that it's expressed. So generally speaking, kindness is about, I'm sorry, niceness is about something that's pleasing or pleasant. Oh, that was very nice. Or we're having nice weather. Nice. That's a very nice person. And so we come to see it as something that's pleasing to us, something that perhaps makes us feel at ease. And so niceness has a, <clears throat> like a connotation of being pleasant or pleasing. Another way that niceness is defined is someone's nice when they're polite, when they're being polite or they're being friendly, right? That's another way we look at it. Another way sometimes it's defined is that someone is sort of easygoing or agreeable. Oh, that person's so nice, meaning they just kind of don't rock the boat. They're just going along and maybe they're easy to get along with, but we're not necessarily talking about them in terms of what we might say kindness, which might be a little bit more elevated. So when we think of niceness, we're thinking of politeness, <clears throat> excuse me, friendliness, easygoingness, easy to get along with. And we're also thinking of what we might call courtesy or manners in a cultural sense. So holding the door open for somebody in a particular culture, saying please and thank you. Basic etiquette in a culture is often called niceties, right? It's the basic respect that we give other people in our community that sort of forms the background of our group, right? Or of our family. And niceties are usually taken for granted. They're usually presumed that people in the community know the basic things to do to be considered a nice and pleasant person. So niceness is sort of please and thank you. It's courtesies. It's cultural kind, uh, I say kindness, cultural courtesies that we have with each other. And they're somewhat expected. They're somewhat expected. And oftentimes when we talk about niceties, there's a term in which we say common human decency, right? Or general decency between human beings. And this is really psychologically what being nice means. It's that foundational way that we treat people with respect and decency. And usually it's kind of autopilot. We inherit it within the culture and we kind of act nice to each other. Sometimes we're doing it intentionally, but it's most often done within a cultural framework. And it's something that's somewhat expected by each individual in a group under certain circumstances. Now, what's interesting about being nice, right, as a human being, what's interesting about being nice is it serves a social function. And one thing it does is it signals to the other person 
that you mean no harm, right? You come in peace, you understand the cultural etiquette, and you're going to offer them some basic human respect and decency. So it signals a sense of safety for the other person. It also signals that you're seeing them. You know that they're separate from you and you mean them no harm. And so nice niceness is um, really this way that we basically get along with each other in groups, our ability or capacity to be nice to each other. Now, another way we do this socially is kind of trading favors. Like you do something nice for somebody. Like let's say you pick someone up at the airport, right? Or you help them move some furniture or whatever the case may be. These kind of niceties that we have shows the other person that you care, that there's something significant. But in general, we don't think of niceness psychologically as going too far out of your way for the generosity. It's just basic kind etiquette. Another thing about a niceness that I think is it that's important is that when we're nice to people, we can do it on the fly, right? We don't really have to know the person. We can see someone drop something and we bend out to pick it up. Again, maybe we let someone cut in front of us in traffic or be in front of us in line. These kind of small courtesies that we do for people. But one thing to know about being nice is that it doesn't require any depth of connection with the other person. There's not necessarily a real open-heartedness. You could be rushing and busy and not feel any connection to somebody, but you step out of the way or you offer them something, right? Or you please, a thank you. So it's important to know as we move up towards compassion, that when we think about being nice, we're not necessarily talking about a heart-to-heart -heart connection, right? Just some basic courtesy. One step up from being nice is being kind. And whenever I think of kindness, I always, always think of the Dalai Lama's quote that when he was asked about Buddhism as a religion, he said that his religion is kindness. And that always sticks with me to this day. As 20 years ago, I heard the line. But kindness is what the Dalai Lama said was his religion, a religion of kindness. When we think of kindness, and we can kind of harken back to the idea of loving kindness, but when we think of kindness psychologically, what we're thinking about is something a little more intentional than just being nice to folks. Another aspect of kindness is that unlike niceness, it's not expected. You might say to someone, oh my gosh, that was so kind of you. So there's a little bit of a sense of, oh wow, you've gone out of your way, right? Kindness is a little bit going out of our way. It's a little more intentional. So it's something that's often cultivated. We don't necessarily have to cultivate a disposition of being nice and being quote-unquote well-mannered within a community. But kindness is a step up. It requires a little bit of intention. It requires a little bit of going above and beyond the normal courtesies, which is why we also say kindness is more heart-centered. With kindness, we're now making an effort to connect heart-to-heart -heart with the person. I'll just uh, describe this sort of kindness. I was... Uh, this was during COVID, so I went through Starbucks through the drive-thru, and uh, my wife, Molly, and I, some of you know, were in the car, and we pulled up to pay for the drinks, and they had already been paid for by the car in front of us. And so they just paid for our coffee. And it was such a small little thing, but it was such a nice thing. Like, we went away with this sense of like, wow, that, that just totally made my day. That was totally not expected above and beyond what anyone would do who didn't know us. It was a type of kindness that really touched our hearts because someone just did this random act and it just totally made our day. So kindness 
has the intention of lighting up the other person's heart, right? Really having this sense of like, hey, here's a, here's a caring gesture. I hope things are well with you. So it's a little bit above what we call nice. And another aspect of this is that where niceness tends to be grounded in cultural norms of etiquette, I would say that kindness has more of an unconditional quality, right? Because when we do a favor for someone, we call that a nicety. So I might do a favor for you, but there's kind of this sense that you probably in the future will do the favor in return. It's not completely unconditional. So being nice to someone is considered to be more conditional. It's like tit for tat kind of thing, where kindness is considered to be moving in the direction of open-heartedness and unconditioned kindness or energy towards the person. So that's where we really start changing the definition when we move from kindness, I mean, from a niceness to kindness, we start going into the unconditioned, non-conditionality and heart-centered realm. Being nice to someone is seen as being straightforward, kind of easy, and not really challenging to ourselves. But when we think of the term kindness, kindness is offered, often referred to as something that might actually require courage. It might actually require a little bit of sacrifice on our part. It might actually um, entail going against the cultural norms. Maybe the kind thing to do is not the culturally normative thing to do. So sometimes being kind <clears throat> means you abandon cultural normalcy, that you abandon particular courtesies for a higher level of, of kindness for the other person. So oftentimes when we talk about kindness, we're talking about going out of our way, going above and beyond, not taking the easy way out, so to speak, and just being nice. And the impact that kindness has is a step up from someone just doing you a nice favor. So when someone feels an act of kindness, they feel heard, they feel seen, and they feel connected to you. Right? There's a sense of human connectedness that is much deeper than the basic courtesy. Another major thing about kindness is that when kindness is done with sincerity, the other person won't feel as alone. It, it basically bridges the two hearts. So there's a sense of camaraderie in the moment. I mean, just think about when you thank someone for being kind, right? When they do you something that's really, really kind. And even when you say it, like, oh my gosh, that's so kind of you. That heart openness, right? Kindness often results in gratitude, right? Basic niceties don't necessarily come with a real deep sense of gratitude. So as we move into kindness, we're thinking in terms of how it impacts the other person. It's a much deeper heart-centered connectedness. What makes kindness kindness is what we call empathy. The empathic ability for a human being to feel another's emotion, to get in touch with and unite heart to heart and to be able to really feel what the other person is feeling. That is not required for general niceties, <clears throat> but kindness works because it's grounded in empathy. And I wanted to take a minute to make the distinction between empathy and sympathy. I know there's lots of times that this distinction is made, but even myself, 
uh, for many, many years, I had to keep asking myself, what was the difference between sympathy and empathy again? Because it's not always clear, even in the Dharma, when we talk about empathy, sometimes what's actually being talked about is sympathy. So I want to clarify for th this for you, and I'll show you how it relates to kindness. Sympathy is our basic ability as a human being to feel sorrow or sorry for someone when they're in pain. It's basically, I feel bad that you feel bad. I'm not necessarily feeling the discontent that you have, but when I see you in discontent, there's a sense of, oh wow, I'm sorry you lost your job. Oh, I'm sorry you're sick. Or I'm sorry that you had a very stressful week. That's sympathy. You see that someone's in distress or having kind of a bad day or discontent, and you basically offer a sense of condolence, right? But you're not necessarily feeling into their feelings. You just have a sense of like, oh, I'm bummed for you. That really sucks that you're sick. So sympathy is about having an emotion because someone else has an emotion. You feel bad because someone is feeling a kind of distress, and you don't want them to feel that. So there's a sense of condolence that's offered with sympathy. I'm sorry for your loss is a sympathetic statement, right? Someone has, perhaps someone dies or something else is lost in some way. And we offer our condolences. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. That's what we call sympathy. And sympathy, like niceness, like being nice, is usually easy. It's usually safe. And it's very much culturally conditioned. Right. And so we're usually expecting it from those around us to at least have sympathy for our pain. Right. You know, when we have some kind of stress in our life, there's this kind of cultural expectation that if I tell you I'm having a bad day, you don't ignore that comment and just move on with the conversation. You're like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. There's some expectation of sympathy between us as humans, so much so that when someone doesn't offer the sympathy, we kind of feel it, right? There's a little sting there because we feel disconnected. So if I come on Wednesday, wake up and say, you know, I fell down the stairs, someone might say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. If no one makes any response or doesn't even have any connection, it's kind of like, wow, been sympathetic lately? So sympathy is something that is sort of like niceness in the sense that it's sort of a common cultural condolence when someone is having some kind of distress, right? We're like, oh my gosh, I'm really sorry to hear that. So that's what sympathy is. It's feeling bad because someone else is feeling bad. That's sympathy. Empathy, like kindness, is much deeper. Empathy is a more intimate version of sympathy. With empathy, you actually put yourself in the other person's shoes. This is the main difference. Sympathy is feeling bad because someone feels bad. Empathy is when you imagine what they're going through and you feel that emotion as well, right? So empathy connects us heart to heart, similar to kindness, right? There's a heart-centered orientation to empathy where you're building a bridge between you and the other person and you're actually extending yourself across that bridge and touching them. There's a contact at the emotive level for empathy. With empathy, you're actually what we call sharing in another's pain. There is a co-suffering. Someone is really upset and you really open your heart to them and you feel the suffering too. That's the, the power of empathy. 
is that what we call a sharing of an emotional burden. You actually, your heart is holding some of that person's pain. So they feel connected to you. They feel cared for, they feel seen, they feel loved, and they don't feel as alone. Sympathy can be done on the fly. Oh, I'm sorry for that, and you move on. Empathy requires you to go above and beyond. It's intentional. It's vulnerable. With empathy, because we're intending to really feel deeply what the other person is feeling, it actually makes us vulnerable. So empathy, when you're empathic, it makes you vulnerable because you're willing to take on the emotion of the other person. You're willing to help them hold the space of dukkha. So you're participating with them in the emotional space. So it's considered to be something that is cultivated, something that it's intentional, and something that is practice. We practice being empathic by intentionally adopting other people's perspectives, walking in their shoes, right? In our imagination of like, wow, I can't imagine what that was like for you, dot, dot, dot. But let me open my heart to that and see, and see if I can feel what you're feeling. That's the empathic connection. The difference between sympathy and empathy would look like this. Someone tells you that someone close to them has passed away. Sympathy says, I'm sorry for your loss. And you move on. You're, you're sincere. You're sorry that they're in pain. Empathy is, let me sit here and grieve with you. That's empathy. Empathy is, let me enter your space. Let me enter your heart space and connect with you on this level. So empathy is, let me grieve with. Sympathy is feeling sorrow, uh, sorry for. Sympathy is, I feel sorry for you. Empathy is, let me feel your sorrow. I'm going to feel sorrow with you, and I'm going to connect on that level. So the reason I make these distinctions is being nice and being sympathetic can evolve into kindness and empathy, and that our ability to be kind and to cultivate kindness and our ability to cultivate empathy is born on the backs of these natural dispositional traits that we have to be nice and sympathetic to our fellow humans. But in the spiritual realm, we take nicety and we take sympathy and we ramp them up, right? We practice becoming these heart-mind qualities and we do meditative practices to build those habits inside of our heart and mind. So when we talk about these empathic hearts, we're really talking about something that we're practicing. We're training to do this. We're really going out of our way to be vulnerable to ourselves and vulnerable to others and to connect deeply. And these emotions, if you will, are really the foundation of loving kindness and compassion. I wanted to give a couple quotes here by uh, Dr. Brene Brown. And I know many of you, if not all of you know who uh, Brene Brown is, psychologist and researcher does a lot of research on empathy, has some amazing books out. If you haven't heard of her, please go to YouTube and watch her videos. Uh, she's pretty incredible. But she has a couple distinctions here I wanted to quote from her on sympathy and empathy, which really stick the landing. So when it comes to sympathy, she says, I hear you. I understand and value what you're feeling. But it is mainly about observation and acceptance of what someone is going through. It's mainly about observation and acceptance of what someone is going through. Empathy, she says, is a choice. 
and it's a vulnerable one. Empathy is active listening, asking questions, and coming up with solutions. This is a major difference between loving kindness and compassion, bringing this back into the Dharma. Loving kindness is wishing well. Compassion is an empathic response. We want to help. We're driven to help and support the person. That shift is the spiritual insight. That yes, we want to be nice, but in this case, compassion is essentially the living embodiment of empathy. Empathy is the feeling the person's feelings, really opening our heart. And if that is done effectively, what arises is a call to action, a feeling of a need of not only feeling deeply the pain of the other person, but wanting that pain to end and wanting to offer some kind of help or service or generosity of ear, whatever it may be, to be able to end the suffering. So we begin to see when we talk about empathy and kindness and compassion, we move from a natural base disposition of nicety to a place where we are co-suffering and co-sacrificing with the other person. And that's why compassion is always talked about as a spiritual emotion or a spiritual virtue, because it goes beyond the basics. It goes beyond the cultural expectations and the normative behavior to something you really have to work on. You have to be vulnerable, intentional, and you put yourself out there because when you put yourself out there, that's how you really feel deep with the other person. So you have to let, let down the wall around our hearts if we're really going to be empathetic to other people. And so compassion within the Dharma is an empathic response. It's a pull of the heart towards benevolent action to help and serve and to be kind and generous to another human being. I wanted to give a just a couple reminders about the power of all of this, basing it on kindness. The reason I started with kindness is because oftentimes when we talk about the Dharma, you know, we're invited to be compassionate and then we try to do that and we find that it's hard, right? It's hard to cultivate compassion, especially for particular people in our lives. So the reason I started the distinction with being nice and being kind is to remind ourselves that this is a path. Compassion is a path of practice. We start with, okay, am I being nice to myself and others? Can I go a little bit out of my way and start practicing kindness? And then when kindness is established, can I even go further and aspire to be compassionate? Can I build an even greater connection with those around me? And I wanted to remind us that even kindness, research shows that kindness has a tremendous benefit on our mental health. Kindness lowers blood pressure. Kindness actually activates our genes in a particular way to boost our immune function. So when we're acting out of kindness, it's not only helping the person that we're being kind to, kindness is also inherently good for our hearts. So when we look at wanting to be compassionate, which is even more often intense and demanding on our hearts, it's good for us to remember that these processes of being kind and being compassionate are healing for us if we're done with skillfulness, if it's done with mindfulness. Another thing we note about kindness is that 
And I think I said this earlier, when we're authentically kind, it offers the gift to the other person to have a sense of gratitude. And feeling grateful also boosts our immune system. <laughs> Being grateful also is helpful for the heart. It reduces stress. So if you think about it as this amazing bond between human beings, that we have the ability for one person to be kind and the other person to feel grateful. And then out of that feeling of gratitude, their heart is called to then be kind. So we have this cycle of kindness, gratitude, compassion, loving kindness. And the more we generate it within ourselves, the more we enliven the hearts around us. They've actually done studies with little kids who really aren't capable at the age that they're at to really understand the concept of, say, compassion or generosity the way I'm speaking it. And what we see that even when we're really little, when a child sees an act of kindness, it lights up their nervous system with positive emotion. Like it, their brain lights up, even if they don't know why, that when a child sees an act of compassion or an act of grace for someone, it actually lights up their brains, even if they're not thinking about it in that way. So we have this incredible gift that we can give ourselves and others, which is to be kind, to be compassionate, to be empathetic. And in doing that, we heal ourselves and spark that same type of healing in other people. So it's got a karma, it's karmically contagious to essentially reach for compassion and kindness in our practice. Now, I think it's important to also talk about the shadow side of some of this, because I, I think it's important to not forget that any type of heart-mind quality that we generate in the Dharma can also be used to hide from ourself. It can also be used to manipulate people. It can also be used to protect ourselves from others. It can also be used for spiritual bypass, where we end up in delusion instead of compassion. And it's really important that we remind ourselves that when we engage in loving kindness and when we engage in compassion, we are always doing it within the context of the Eightfold Path. We're making sure that we're mindful. We're making sure that we're discerning to make sure that our uh, interest and our intention is for lack of a better word, pure, right? Good, that we have good intentions. Because every single one of us at some time in our life has experienced what someone else thinks is compassion towards us, but actually feels harmful. It makes us feel uncomfortable. <clears throat> makes us feel out of place. It makes us feel disconnected, even though the other person is trying to connect compassionately or do us a favor or do some kind of kindness. But the problem is, the attitudinal orientation of the other person is rooted in some kind of delusion, some kind of baggage, if you will, and it ends up hurting us instead of healing us. Instead of feeling connected, we feel divisive. One of the ways that I think is really important to remember is earlier when I was talking about being nice, I feel like we really need to understand this long history of sexism and patriarchy with men often insisting that women are nice, meaning that they don't speak up, they toe the cultural line. There is this long inheritance for women to be courteous, right? To be quiet, to defer to men. And 
we need to pay attention to these kind of things when we're practicing the Dharma, especially when you're in a position of leadership as I am, that we remind ourselves that sometimes being nice is not the right thing. Sometimes we need to be kind, and that means speaking up and disrupting the nicety that we've been asked to uphold. So it's important to remember that being nice is not always the best medicine. And if it's not done with good intention, it can be very easily used to manipulate others because we can shame people for not being a particular way. We can shame people for not being nice. We can shame people for not being uh, kind or compassionate. So we can weaponize these emotions so they don't serve in a way that brings peace and connectedness. So I think it's really important that we remember that there's a cultural overlay when, with these kind of things. Now, sometimes what happens with niceness, when we're told, particularly in Western culture, to be nice, sometimes being nice means being self-effacing or taking on a caregiver role when we're not ready to take that caregiver role on or um, the compassion fatigue that comes when we're burdened with having to be nice or be kind to someone in a situation where it's taking a toll on our heart. So we really need to remember that the mind has a limit, the heart has a limit of how much compassion and how much kindness it can bring moment to moment. And it's important to remember that we can get burnt out and the beautiful, amazing ability to create kindness and generosity and gratitude can backfire. So we really need to be mindful and attuned when we do these things. Another shadow side is the difference between sympathy and empathy. I think sympathy gets a bad rap because empathy is like <laughs> the older sibling and empathy is the, the one that connects us heart to heart. But I want to remind us of something. Sometimes sympathy is all that we can bring our hearts to feel. Sometimes it's not healthy for us to enter into a suffering space with another human being. Sometimes being empathetic is too much for our heart to handle. Maybe we're in the middle of our own wound, or maybe we're in a really stressful situation. And sympathy is all that we have to offer. Sometimes being empathetic or feeling like we have to be empathetic at a time where we're really exhausted, we're already feeling hurt in some way, at those points, sometimes sympathy is there to protect our heart. We can let the other person know I am so sorry you're feeling dot, 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 but I can't help you. In the, I am not in a position of my own well-being that I can help you with that. And so sometimes we need to remember that sometimes laying down good boundaries means we opt for sympathy instead of empathy. Because again, empathy, you're going to touch down on the pain of the other person, and it just might not be the right medicine for you. So that's one way I think sympathy gets a bad rap is that we presume that since empathy is so much more deep and intimate and vulnerable, that it's always the best route. Sometimes being vulnerable is just not the right medicine. And I would invite you to consider that with your own heart, that sometimes being vulnerable is not what's good for you in a particular moment. Or sympathy is your best bet with another person that you have strife with. Sympathy, offering loving kindness, wishing someone well, is still wonderful. It's better than wishing harm, right? Or wishing them to be hurt. So wishing someone well with loving kindness might be the top 
of what your heart can experience and feel for a particular human being in your life. So I just want to throw that out there because I don't think we talk about that enough and we presume that empathy is good all the time. Sometimes it's not the right stuff. One other thing I'd like to say for tonight. There is this concept in Western psychology called emotional intelligence. There's some debates around it, but many of you probably saw the book by uh, Daniel Goleman back in the day, back in the 90s. It was called Emotional Intelligence. It's like bestseller. It got really popular. There were all kinds of workbooks on being emotionally intelligent. It was a big fad for a long time. Um, I mean, it's legitimate as far as research, but there was a huge fad with emotional intelligence for a really long time. And uh, Daniel Goleman came up with the idea of emotional IQ, right? And versus an intellectual IQ. What's really, really interesting to me about how Daniel Goleman and those, those, that group of psychologists who were studying and doing the research is that they came up with four pillars that relate to what they call emotional intelligence. And it just so happens that these pillars are inherent in the Dharma. So I just want to connect this for you because I thought this was so interesting. Emotional intelligence is the idea that we can become more emotionally self-aware, that we can use mindfulness to get in touch with our emotions, to know them so well that we can see how they lead to skillful or unskillful actions, that we can learn to regulate our emotions in such a way that we respond versus react. We can be in touch with how our emotions affect other human beings in our relationships. And we can cultivate empathy and compassion actively. So emotional intelligence is characterized by a few things, self-awareness or mindfulness, emotional regulation, social skills, being kind in social relationship, and empathy which happens to be the practice of loving kindness and compassion practice in the Dharma. So what we're really doing here when we practice being kind and we practice being loving and we practice being compassionate is we're increasing our emotional IQ. We're deepening our sense of being an emotional being and we're getting in touch with the Vedana, the pleasantness, the unpleasantness, the neutral aspects of our emotions, and we're learning to cultivate emotions that brighten our spirit and impact those around us in a positive and nurturing way. So I just think it's really interesting that this whole idea in Western psychology of actively developing emotional intelligence is the foundation for Dharma practice, right? Emotion regulation is what we do with mindfulness, right? Anytime the hindrances arise, and they wander and the mind wanders off or we're feeling ill will or we're feeling greed or craving or hatred, we check ourselves using mindfulness. We try to cultivate a different spirit of being. So mindfulness practice and these foundational principles of the Dharma are essentially a form of emotional maturity. We can mature our emotions to a spiritual level, if you will. Those are kind of abstractions, but think of it this way. We take niceness and we trade up for kindness. We take sympathy and we trade up for empathy. We take loving kindness, which is a wish for all beings to be free, and we trade up to compassion, where we want our heart to be open and vulnerable to another human being. So the whole process of both the Brahma Viharas and our skillful resolve to be kind and loving has to do with maturing our heart 
intentionally getting to know our emotional personhood, if you will, and cultivating it in a particular way. So it leaves us towards freedom and hopefully nourishes others along the way. So that's my take on loving kindness and compassion, bringing that wise resolve to a close this evening. One of the things I eventually want to talk about is self-compassion outside the Dharma talk of this evening, but I would like to talk about self-compassion one night and the different qualities of what we call self-compassion. At some point, we'll do that. Thank you so much for your kind attention, my friends. I hope some of that was helpful just to reflect on your own emotions and where you might be in your practice. Thank you for coming and joining us this evening. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much to all of you who have been offering monthly contributions. So helpful to keep this going. I really appreciate it. Just much love to you all. I really appreciate hanging out with you. I had a good time kind of reading through this material today. Yeah, let's do a little meta and uh, then we'll close. Take a long, slow, deep breath in, in through the nose and out through the mouth, relaxing fully back into body. As I was preparing our talk for this evening, over the last couple days, thinking about empathy and compassion, kindness and generosity, I suddenly became grateful in light of what's going on in Eastern Europe and Russia, how safe I am in my life, that I could come here tonight with you all without the fear of harm that I had the time and the energy and the health and the blessing to be living in a country that is not at war so we can practice the Dharma. As we close this evening, let's remind ourselves that on the other side of the planet, folks just like us are really scared, not know what's gonna happen on the brink of war Harm is on the way for many folks around the world in this moment. But here we are, blessed to be sitting in a safe Dharma community. Let's just feel into that gratitude. And perhaps opening our heart to some sympathy or empathy for all beings. Who might be living in fear this evening. Who might not be safe. Who might not be at ease. Let's open our hearts to those beings. May all beings be free, free from danger, worry, and concern. May all beings be safe and free from harm. 
May all beings know true love, true kindness, and true compassion in this very life. May all beings be safe and free from harm. be well my friends thanks for joining us here at wednesday wake up we honor the traditional buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge so this podcast will always be ad free and will never be behind a paywall this podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners if you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it you can support gregory as a teacher by going to our website www.wednesdaywakeup.com and click on donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Maloof Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy. <laughs>